We want to be so gracious. We don't want to say anyone's an enemy. Well, there are enemies to the cross. There are enemies to Christ. And they are our enemies thus, right? Now, in the personal enemies, we know what to do in Matthew, how we're to respond in that. But Paul prays for protection from those evil one and those who are caught in his snare, right? That God would protect. Welcome to this Monday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we finish our look at a very instructive passage. Yes, we do, Dave. And today we finish Nehemiah chapter 6. And it's here we gain some crucial instruction concerning how we can avoid defeat after spiritual success. Turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 15 to 19. Well, thanks, Greg. And if you're new to Equipping the Saints, head over to our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. To learn more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt, our web address is simply etsradio.org. Now, with today's message, here's our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Praise the Lord, God will soon crush Satan at our feet. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He's a defeated foe. And if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, if we trust him, the shield of faith, it extinguishes every fiery missile. We trust the Lord, we're in good shape. But when things are good, our trust levels kind of go down at times because we're kind of not in that mode of trusting him like we were when everything was so important to get the task done and there was so much difficulty, right? So there's a danger, right? We need to remember 1 Peter chapter 5, 8. Be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith or the faith. Resist him firm, believing what God has said, trusting in what he has said, trusting in him, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are around the world. So then we have this statement back in our passage, verse 17, also... In these days. What days is he talking about? He's talking about the days here that he just talked about. They completed the wall. But certainly the stuff was going on before that, but it's still going on. He doesn't share it afterwards. That's there for a reason. Also, in these days, Nehemiah, inspired by the Spirit, shares what God wants us to know, what was also happening in these days. And notice what he says. We have letters going from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah and vice versa. So who are the nobles of Judah? Well, the royal line of Judah is the line in which our Savior would come out of. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's where the king would come out of. That's where the kings were. It's a noble line. These were the noble guys. They were the high up in Judah, okay? And so here we got letters going back and forth from Tobiah and these nobles, right? We got stuff going back and forth. And this other guy here we see is Tobiah. You remember who he is, right? Tobiah was introduced back in chapter 2. He is an Ammonite official. And he is very powerful politically, but he is an Ammonite, apparently. Now, if you'll remember, because of Lot's sin with his daughters, we have the Ammonites and the Moabites, and besides a very few who were redeemed by faith in the Lord... They were continually a thorn in Israel's side. They were Israel's consummate enemies, the Ammonites and Moabites. You can look in Ezekiel in the middle chapters of the 20s and see what their doom is 
because of their evil and how they rejoiced over Israel's being taken captive. You can see that. They were evil. They were hateful. You can look in Psalm 83 and see that they are those who hate the Lord, and thus they hate Israel. Now, we've seen from the beginning of this book, Tobiah is an enemy of Nehemiah and those who are doing God's work, and thus of God. You might remember back in chapter 2, verse 10, it was very displeasing to Tobiah that someone would come to help the Jews. And that's not a brother in Christ. His heart is very displeased that someone would help the Jews, that someone would come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. That was literally a great evil to him. We know in chapter 2, verse 19, that Sanballat with Gershom, they mocked and despised Nehemiah, the Jews, and then Tobiah with them. What is this thing you're doing, rebelling against the king? You see those mockeries and those slight accusations. We know in chapter 4, Tobiah specifically was the guy who was mocking and saying, hey, if a fox just jumped on the wall, it would collapse. You know, look at this terrible workmanship. It's, it's not going to be done, right? And that's when they heard it was half the height. And then they conspired together to fight against Jerusalem. He was part of that too. He's an enemy. Chapter 6, verse 1, Nehemiah calls him clearly an enemy. We want to be so gracious. We don't want to say anyone's an enemy. Well, there are enemies to the cross. There are enemies to Christ. And they are our enemies thus, right? Now, personal enemies, we know what to do in Matthew, how we're to respond in that. But Paul prays for protection from those evil one and those who are caught in his snare, right? That God would protect. So then we have enemies here. We have, he's an enemy of the Lord and an enemy of the Lord's people. But wait a second. His name is Yahweh is my God. That's my name. Hi, what's your name? Oh, Yahweh is my God. (laughs) You know, right? He's Yahweh is my God. That's his name, Tobiah. Okay. Yet we see that he's a false brother. He's a false brother. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to see that Elisha, the high priest, did evil for Tobiah, and he granted him a place to stay in the temple. And Nehemiah had to kick him out. Great evil, okay? But Tobiah, as we will see, had yoked himself through marriages with the Jews of Judah. And therefore, he had great influence in a family way to lead them astray. And it's a great warning for us. So after this great victory, we have this statement. In those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him. And later on, verse 19, it says, Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. That's the goal. So we're going to see there's... Family gossip leading to slanderous accusations. Family gossip in the church. Oh, that never happens, does it? Oh, it sure does. We'll see it. We'll see it here in this passage, and we've seen it. So then, Tobiah has infiltrated the Jewish nobles, as we'll see, through sinful marriages. Remember, he's an Ammonite, and they're not supposed to be marrying those in the land And so look at verse 17. Also in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Now that's an interesting statement, because he doesn't say the nobles were bound. Those are the high guys in Judah. Now he says many in Judah, the tribe, the area of Judah, right? 
with the tribe of Judah were bound by oath. That just means they'd made a verbal agreement. Hey, I'm for you, Tobiah. I'm going to support you. Nehemiah, forget him. No, he's not. I'm, I'm on your side, Tobiah. You know, that's basically what it is. They were bound by oath, as we'll see. And notice, even down further, it's not good. Look at verse 19. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds, that's Tobiah, in my presence, that's Nehemiah. That's a slap in the face. Your enemy and your, the people who are supposed to be God's people are saying, Tobiah is such a good guy. Hey, look at what he's done. He's done so many good things. And Nehemiah knows he's an enemy. He's a bad guy. Okay, he's a false brother. Okay? And it says here, and reported my words to him. Ah, they took his words. Nehemiah said this. He was talking about this. I think he's going to do this. Right? Reporting his words to Tobiah. So they were yoked with Tobiah. Therefore, they saw what he was doing as good. They were yoked through marriage. And they saw what he was doing as good. And they were speaking of his good deeds in Nehemiah's presence. What a slap in the face. And so this wretched, evil man, an enemy of God and his people, has infiltrated his people, and they're speaking of his good deeds. And he has undermined the spiritual, and is undermining the spiritual authority of Nehemiah in the context of the people. And they reported his Nehemiah's words to him. Folks, the Jews had been sucked into the false spirituality of Tobiah through, as we will see, family ties. And thus they were at odds and turning against Nehemiah, who was a righteous leader. This is Satan's tactic. And oh, folks, as I read this, we had a very evil man here did the same thing. We had it happen. We have seen this, who spiritually turned people away, where they would speak of his good deeds and they would give my words to him. We've seen it. We've lived it. This is a tactic of Satan to cause you to fear, to cause you to quit. But praise the Lord, that didn't work, and we are still preaching God's word because God is great, and God is awesome. Praise the Lord. So here, back in our passage, verse 18, many of Judah were bound to him by oath. So Tobiah wins over the loyalty of many in Judah, not just the nobles. And so he's won them over he's, by oath. Hey, you're with me, right? Right, yep, yep, we're with you. We're with you, man, That's you're the guy. So why so many? I've alluded to it, but why were so many yielded over and yoked with Tobiah? Look in verse 18. For many in Judah were bound to him by oath and were, and here's the reason, because. Here's the reason. It's just here is the reason. They were bound by oath because. Okay, now look at it. He was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erah, and his son Jehohan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Tobiah had married a Jewish girl. Okay, Ammonite official. Married a Jewish girl, okay? And he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Aaron. He's a son-in-law now. Okay, and then it gets worse. His son, Jehohanan, married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Now, Meshulam, we saw back in chapter 3, he was working on the wall. He seemed to be a good guy, infiltrating, right? Infiltrating through marriages. We have this high Ammonite official mixed marrying with Jews. Later on, Nehemiah is going to hit this issue right on the head in chapter 13, like Ezra did in the end of Ezra. You can read that. 
But turn up to Nehemiah 13. Now, this is talking about giving away women, but we got the same thing in reverse with men here, right? Now, given the possibility of him portraying himself to be a God-fearer may have led the way for those unions, but there's a principle even after that that our loyalty to God must be greater than our loyalty to family. Nehemiah 13:23. In those days, I saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and for their children half spoke the language of Ashdod, and none of them were able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his own people. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Pretty strong rebuke there, right? Plucking the hair out, right? Okay, big serious thing. Did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was loved by God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. Do we then hear about you having committed all this great evil by acting unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? Even one of the sons of Jehoiada, even the son of Elisha, the high priest, was a son-in-law of, oh, we'll see this later on, Sanballat the Horonite. So I drove him away with me. Bad news, okay? There seems to be the reason why the oath here is very clear. Because he was married to a Jew and his son was married to a Jew. That's the reason. Because. So they were yoked in a family relationship where they gave over their loyalty to this man who was contradictory to the word of God. No matter whether he claimed to be Yahweh's my God, right? Okay, it didn't matter. His actions were quite different. And there's a great warning in this, that our loyalty must be to the Lord and not above our family, okay? The Lord must be above our family. Our loyalty to our family must not be above the Lord, okay? Yes, we are to honor our father and mother. We are to love our children, right? And our husband and wives, we're to love but our loyalty cannot be greater than that. And I have seen it. We saw it in our church. Families that were intermarried. There's a big group of different ones that are all related somehow. Just one family that had a lot of people, right? And there was loyalty you could see within that that superseded a loyalty to Christ. Okay? You could see it. We've lived that too. So we see here that we need to make Christ our supreme loyalty, right? Turn to Matthew 10. I read this earlier during our service, Matthew 10. It's a warning. You see, because it's so easy to compromise with your family. It's so easy to sin with them against your leaders. Don't do it. Your leaders are brought by the Lord. The Lord is trying to protect you and to feed you and to grow you. Don't compromise. Don't be bound with your family over the Lord, okay? We see this with churches that are racially driven. Certain churches that are a certain group or race, right? They can be bound closer together because of the race or whatever it might be. Matthew ten thirty four. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Now, this is not saying he came to cause you to have big conflicts in your house, and that's why it's okay to have conflict in your house. No, he's saying when you come to him, there's going to be an immediate sword between you and those who don't know Christ. 
There's going to be an immediate opposition. That's what's going to happen if you follow Jesus, okay? And he says, he who loves father or mother more than me, love your father and mother, but not more than Jesus, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I find it amazing how people will go to horrible churches because their son is going there. They'll go to a terrible church because their daughter's going there. Obey the Lord. Trust the Lord. Do not let your family ties and loyalty cause you to sin against the Lord. You will sin against the Lord. You'll sin against his people. So then, in our passage, we realize that our loyalty must be for Christ. And here, through these marriages and these family relationships, it was because of that that much of Judah had made an oath to a bad guy who was attacking, wanting even to kill Nehemiah, being part of that, but portraying himself to be this godly guy. You see, there's that saying in the world, blood is thicker than water. May that not be true of believers. May it be that because of his blood, we are more loyal to him than our earthly blood, right? What did Jesus show in his example when his family was coming? Now, this was, Curse's mom was saved, but right at this point, his brothers were not saved. Later, and we'll see they get saved. Some of them, yep, you'll see they get saved. But they weren't, and they were thinking he's crazy, and they're going to want to deliver him out. And so they come to get him. Turn to Luke chapter 8, and you can see how the Lord Jesus responds. And we should have a higher affinity family-wise to those who are in Christ. Now, praise the Lord when they're also believers, but it shouldn't lower down to the lowest level. It should raise to the highest level. Let's say Luke chapter 8, verse 20. And it was reported to him... Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers. Now in Matthew goes, Behold, he points to his disciples. My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. He's pointing to his disciples in Matthew. Those who obey, hear the word, they obey it, right? They do it. That's who I'm related to. That's my family. Yes, we do have family and blood, and we are not to dishonor them. We're to honor them, and we're to love them. But that honor and love cannot be greater than our honor and love of Jesus Christ. You see, because Satan, he'll use your family to turn you against those who are godly in your life. He'll use your family. I remember when we started this church back in Vancouver, I remember very clearly a very close family friend of ours. And I would say almost a sister, blood-wise almost that. Even in Christ, you think so. She invited Hillary to a retreat And at that retreat, she shared with Hillary all these things of how she shouldn't submit to her husband, she shouldn't go this way, and all these things, all these evil things. And Hillary was about to lose it. You know, Satan was working on her. But yet God used his word at that retreat, and it confronted the evil of what this person who was close, family person was saying. And praise the Lord, Hillary listened to the word and the Lord. Same thing happened again. By the way, pray for Hillary. When Satan attacks me, he attacks her too, right? But another thing, when we started the church, her dad, who wasn't a believer then, believe he died as a believer, we hope so, we think so, took her on a lunch, basically said, you can leave him and come back with me. You see, family's going to draw you to do what is evil and wrong. You need to be careful. Be on guard. It doesn't mean you disrespect them. It doesn't mean you don't pray for them. It doesn't mean you don't honor them. But your loyalty must be to the Lord. Honor your parents, love your family, but not more than 
Christ. And when Satan uses them, choose Christ. And that will happen to the church. These things happen before they're going to happen again as we plant this church. They're going to happen again. We need to be on guard and allow our hearts to see things rightly because the Word of God is informing our hearts. Now back in our passage, Nehemiah, verse 19, chapter 6. Moreover, there was speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reporting my words to him. I, I read that and I go, oh, this is so painful because that happened to us. I feel for Nehemiah. Much worse than what happened to us, obviously. But it is painful when there are those who are turning the hearts of believers or those who may seem to be believers, turning them away from what they need to hear, which is the word of God, by turning away from those who are bringing it. So then, he says here, then Tobias sent letters to frighten me. Here you go. That's really what's going on. Ultimately, behind all this oath stuff and all these letters and everything is to frighten Nehemiah, probably the same way as they shared before, false accusations to cause him to be fearful of his life, whatever it might be, to back away from ministering. But Nehemiah here, as we will see, does not do so. He confronts even more sin for the sake of the Lord later on in this passage. So then, let's close with some principles out of this latter portion, which are obvious. First of all, we need to understand that with spiritual success comes more temporal opposition, and it may come in a way that you would have never fathomed. Satan can bring it through the family anytime. Here it came afterwards. It came when all the outside enemies seemed to be calm, right? Now it's coming through the inside, through the body of Christ, right? You see that through false guys and evil yoking. Secondly, realize your leaders are going to get attacked. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for those God is raising up as leaders in this body. Pray for us. We're going to get attacked. And Satan's going to attack you by trying to slander us in your hearts through people, the family gossip, whatever it might be. Be on guard. And again, just to tag on that, be on guard because opposition may come in a manner that you don't expect it after you've had great victory in Christ. And lastly, we can become momentarily part of that opposition when we yoke ourselves and have loyalty to anything higher than Christ. In our hearts. We don't want to be part of it. So then, Tobiah the Ammonite official infiltrated the Jews through marriage and through their family loyalty, they were willingly used to undermine and attack Nehemiah. So, how can we keep from being defeated after spiritual success? First of all, we need to realize that God gave us a success. Don't forget, give Him all the glory. And we need to realize that once these things have come, that there is still a battle going on. Be on guard. Praise the Lord and rejoice. But be on guard. There's still a battle going on. And it may come in ways you have never expected. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 
800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, would you share your final thoughts concerning what we've seen at the end of Nehemiah chapter 6? Well, Dave, first of all, we've seen when we experience spiritual success or any success, we need to give God all the glory. And secondly, we need to realize that the battle may be over, but spiritual attacks will continue, and they may just come from a direction or form which you're not expecting. Indeed, we saw these attacks come in the context of family loyalty, which, as we saw, mustn't be greater than our loyalty to the living God. Christ must be our highest loyalty. So when all is said and done, trust the Lord, rely on Him, and give Him all the glory. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.